if we look at John the Baptist, and I always start my sermons or messages like that, what John the Baptist did is he was busy with his ministry, and then he saw Jesus coming, and he stopped everything, and he said, behold, the Son of God, behold, the Lamb of God. So that's why it's so important for me to point to Christ. If I say anything that doesn't point to Christ, that's a selfish thing. I always want to point to Christ. One of the, I think, the main sayings in Just Gen, let me ask what's one of the, like, the mottos of Just Gen. Die to self, dying to live, dying to live. And it's one of those things that's really scary because it means that you have to die to self, you have to die to selfish desires, selfish ambitions, your own pride, and we have to die to self. But it's also sort of a safety net because you know it's not about a man, it's about God. And we have to die to live. And to go back to John the Baptist, so what happened, a little bit of a background, John the Baptist was busy baptizing and preaching in a certain place in, in Israel or wherever he's done that. And Jesus did the same. Also in the same area, there was a lot of water. So he, Jesus was also busy baptizing. And the disciples of John the Baptist came to him, like really miffed and said, okay, but the church down the street is stealing all our people. Everybody's going to Jesus. What's going on? And then John the Baptist said, he actually used this thing to say, but I told you that I'm not the Christ. And he said that I'm like a friend, John the Baptist saying this, I'm like a friend that supports the bridegroom, talking about Jesus, and that Jesus has to do this. And then this important thing John the Baptist said in John 3 verse 30, John 3 30. This is John the Baptist speaking about Jesus, he says, me must increase, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. So the whole dying to self, isn't a just gen thing, it's a biblical thing, it's a thing about, we want more of God. So for me, the worship this morning, I go like, yes, Lord, I just, I want so much more of you, but how can I get more of you? Because God is God. It's not God's not going to become bigger. So if we say, how can we have more of God? I mean, it's not as if he's going to increase. Am I right? So what has to happen? We have to decrease. We have to become less and less. So this morning, if I can put a title on my message, is surrendering all and giving everything to God. So... Galatians 2.20, it's the same kind of scripture. I don't know whether I gave it. And it says, I've been, this is Paul speaking. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son. So this is an important scripture because he says, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And because Christ lives in me, I live in Christ. So going back to Friday night, um, because sometimes I, I must repent. I'm, I 
I can get a bit jealous of people. So I look at Brian and just see the halo over Brian and go like, okay, how, how did he get that halo? I want to get that, that same recipe for that. So before the gathering, the youth gathering, I spoke to uh, Nick Sophos. Now Nick Sophos is the guy that, that heads the whole of Josh Chen's youth and also 412 youth. And I just went to him and we just spent some time together and I asked him how he's doing. And he said, you know what? I feel so as if God's favor is in my life, so special because in the mornings when I go to God, he just imparts everything to me and I listen to him and it's so special. And I go, oh, please man, come on. Because I want that. And I don't know who else wants that. When you spend time with God, you just want to be there and have more of God and have that deeper revelation of God. And I think, well, I, and Brian knows, I wake up like really early in the mornings to spend time with God. I, I really do. I try my best. And some mornings, it's great. And I can feel the like a tinglings and stuff. And then other, other mornings, you just, you read the Bible and you pray and you sing and you, and you just hear the dogs bark because nothing is happening. So this is my desire. So this morning, I wanted to take you on a journey. And it's really, it's not a new revelation. It's not something that's out there, new doctrine. It's my journey. Because I want to get to that place where I say, God, you're my friend. And you spend time with me. I just want to spend more time with you. I want to get to that place. Now, probably one of my, I think he becomes one of my favorite authors, is a guy that lived in China. He was a, let's call it a father of the Chinese church. And his, his name is Watchman Nee. So Watchman Nee, he was born in 1903 and he died in 1972, I think he died. And the last 20 years of his life, he spent in prison. And he actually died in prison. And when he died, the authorities did not even let his family know that he died. They actually cremated him. And then eventually, I think it's, his granddaughter heard about Watchman being dead. And she went to the prison, went through his stuff. They weren't allowed they weren't allowed to keep his writings because of, in China, you weren't allowed to write about God. So she went through his stuff and she found a piece of paper and I think he wrote this maybe a month, two months, weeks, days, maybe moments before he died. Watchman Nee wrote this. He said, Christ is the son of God who died for the redemption of sinners and re resurrected after three days. This is the greatest truth in the universe. I die of my belief in Christ. And we go dying to live. We as Joshin, we go, no, we're dying to live. We're dying, we're letting go of our selfish ambitions and, and but we're not dying. He physically died for his faith. Because of Christ, he died. Because, so I'm not going to elevate Watchman Nee, but I'm going to use one of his quotes as a golden 
thread. So because I'm Afrikaans, you might have heard thread. No, it's not thread. It's thread. The golden thread in my message. So please, I'm going to quote, use this piece of uh, what he said a few times in the message because I want to pull everything together. And just think about this. So I'm going to read this and just ponder on that for a minute or two. So Watchman Nee said this. He said, I first have, I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. Just think about that. I must first have a sense of God's possession of me, him having everything of me before I can even think of having his presence with me. And sometimes I think we just come to church and we think we can just come, come to the front. I mean, I look at the youth is on Friday. For me, the greatest joy as a dad is to see my kids giving everything, standing in front, praising God, responding to a word. For me, I could have died and gone to heaven right then. I promise you. It does something to a dad. The same thing with Father God. If we stand and we come on a Sunday and we worship God, I think we, his heart just is full when we come and stand and just give us, give everything to God. So again, I said I'm a bit of a jealous person when it comes to people spending time with God because one of my greatest fears, just again, I'm just being honest, one of my greatest fears is if God never speaks to me again. That will be the worst day of my life. If I never hear God's voice again, if I can't get into his presence again, for me, that would just be the end. So. I'm a bit jealous about someone like Moses. I mean, Moses was called a friend of God. You guys know that. He was called a friend of God. Exodus 33 verse 11, Elsevier. And just look at this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That was before the veil was torn. We've got free access to God. And Moses, so God, like me and Mark, like this, face to face, as a friend, just, just imagine God sitting face to face with you, speaking to you, giving you direction, instruction, correction, encouraging you. What a freaking relationship. I mean, I don't know about you, I'm excited. I want that. I want that. I want to be there where God is, where he sits face to face with me, me being his friend, those intimate moments, and just, just be with him. I want that. Another piece of scripture, and I'm going to give you some, a bit of a background on this whole story. So um, we know that Miriam and Aaron 
was family of Moses, right? Everybody knows that. So we have the story where, unfortunately, Moses married the wrong woman, a Cushite woman, which was from a different nation. And Aaron and Miriam are a bit miffed with Moses. And they go, okay, but surely God doesn't only speak to Moses. Surely he can speak to us and through us as well. And then, fortunately, unfortunately, God heard that. And then he called all three of them, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, to the tent of gathering. And so the tent of gathering was outside the camp. So imagine God calling you out, and you're going like to the principal's office, and you walk through the whole camp, and you know something is on. Okay, so I want to read this from verse 6. So, and now this is God speaking to Miriam and Aaron. And he says, and God says, and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So God goes and he, and he takes Moses aside and he says, with prophets, they get dreams, they get visions, not Moses. To Moses I speak mouth to mouth. And not only that, he understands when I'm speaking. And not only that, he gets me. So God says, I've got this intimate relationship with Moses where I speak mouth to mouth with Moses. I don't have to speak through dreams or visions. I speak mouth to mouth with him. And he gets me, he understands me. I'm sorry, that just gets me excited. If Moses had that before the veil was, was torn, we can have that. And that's my desire. So for me, if I can get that, that will be heaven. To be able to go to God and say, God, just come and just be with me and speak to me face to face. I want to listen what you want to say. I want to be at that place. But surely Moses, he did something right somewhere. He had to do something to have that relationship with God. So again, I'm not here to give a doctrine. I'm going to give you my revelation. I believe something happened at the burning bush. We all know the story of the burning bush. So in short, what happened is Moses was looking after the sheep or the flock. I don't know whether it was goats or whatever. He looked after the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, walked, saw the burning bush, thought, okay, well, this is strange because the fire is not consuming the bush. Tried to go around. God says, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. And Moses says, uh, God says to Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. The ground is holy. So for me, the whole thing of taking off shoes, and I'm going to try to, I'm on a journey, just hang in there, I'm on a journey, I'm going to try to explain to you, the taking off of shoes 
something significant. Because the same thing happened to Joshua. So Joshua goes to Jericho, on his way to Jericho, and here's the angel of the Lord. I believe it was God, but here's the angel of the Lord, huge angel of the Lord with a sword in his hand, and Joshua is like poop scared. He says, are you for us or against us? God didn't answer him. Just imagine you see this angel and you go, like, are we good? And this guy doesn't answer you. But in any case, so God tells Joshua, you're standing on holy ground, take off your shoes. So get this. Moses, one generation. Generation after Moses, Joshua. Then the Israelites go to Jericho. The Israelites actually just worshiped God and they got the victory. So it wasn't, there wasn't like a fighting. So no honor to um, Joshua, but one family was saved. Everybody knows. Rahab, the prostitute, her whole family was saved. So get this, Moses, take off your shoes. He's got this relationship with God. Joshua, take off your shoes. Amazing victory. One family is saved, Rahab, and then Rahab has a son called Boaz. One of the most beautiful stories about redemption in the Bible. And we see how Ruth, after losing her husband and a father-in-law, a brother-in-law, goes back with Naomi to Bethlehem. She starts working in a field, and this field is owned by Boaz. Very nice love story. Boaz falls in love with uh, Ruth. Ruth falls in love with Boaz. Boaz wants to redeem Ruth, but he can't. Because there's another relative in line to redeem Ruth. So Boaz challenges the relative for a fight at the, at the gate of the town. I'm joking, it's not a fight. It was just they were normal discussions. And so, so Boaz goes to the relative and says, do you want to redeem the property that belongs to Naomi and Ruth? And he says, oh, yeah, of course, I want the property. Like anybody, you, I want the property. I want to buy the property. And then Boaz says, okay, but remember, if you redeem the property, you're going to get these two women with. And he goes, no ones. I'm not... <laughs> I don't want extra two women in my life. Then the relative says to Boaz, but you can redeem them. Now look at this. Ruth 4, verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandals. Okay, anybody with a light bulb? So this, what happened in Israel for you to give up your right to something, you had to take off your sandals, your shoes. So what did Moses do? At the burning bush, Moses said, God, here's my right. 
I have no right anymore to my own life. You take full control over my life. I have no authority over my life. Same, same with Joshua. When Joshua took off his shoes, he said, God, I'm giving up my right. So remember the golden thread? We first have to get the sense of God's possession of us before we can get the sense of God's presence with us. And that's what I'm after. I want to get to that place where I've got God's presence with me the whole time. But you see, that relative, he didn't go like, okay, I'll give you half of my shoe because I want the property, but you can t- take the woman. He didn't do that. He gave everything, his full right. He had no right anymore over the property. Nothing. Boaz had everything. So during this week, I got an email from Richard. He knew what I was talking about, about surrendering all and in this email, it was about the trapeze artist. So we, everybody knows the trapeze artist, eh? So I don't know that that little pole that they hang on, that's called the trapeze. I thought it was just like a thingy. So if you think about the trapeze artist, and you look at the guy that flies through the air and tumbles and all those things, that's cool, eh? We, we love to see that. But that guy will be just swinging around doing nothing if he doesn't let go. If there's not a point where he lets go, and I'm not talking just letting go one hand and then just swing on one hand, he has to let go both of his hands. And then he also has to trust the guy that catches him. So the guy that catches him is actually more important than him. Otherwise, he will just fall flat on his face. So I want to ask Sybil to come, or the worship team to come to the front. 